Welcome to Pierce Podcast. I'm Mike. And this is Orlando, and we're on episode 283. Yeah. This is going to be an interesting episode. No, I, I'm super excited for this one because, uh, you know, we've we've kind of had a lot of people ask questions about this, whether it's in our personal life or whether it's, uh, you know, from the podcast. And we actually had an episode where we talked about it before, but uh, I can't remember which today? one that was. It was a while back. Yeah, it was a long time ago, but uh, we're talking about like the ethics, the morals of reselling. Is reselling ethical or are we just evil? Yeah, are we are we those evil people who are are exploiting? Yeah, we're ruining the opportunities of others, or do we provide a service, an important service, not, not only to the economy but to our community and our family, right? To so our planet, that's right, and our planet. Yeah, so there's some there's some definitely some positives here. Uh, so we're going to be talking about that today, and I'm really excited about it. But before we get into it, uh, I want to give a special thanks to all of our our Patreon supporters. Uh, we've had more people joining into our Patreon. Uh, as always, the the podcast is free. We're not saying like, hey. We're gonna we're gonna tease our bolos, but if you want to get them, you got to join our Patreon. We're we're never gonna do that, uh, but we uh, we're we're moving in the direction of getting our Discord going, and the Discord is just gonna be a community of of resellers coming together. It's not a bolo, it's not a cook group. It's just a, a place for us to uh, to to chat, to hang out, to have kind of like our uh, old buy me a coffee coffee Zoom meetings. We're gonna do that through Discord, uh, and so we wanted to invite all of our Patreon supporters first that we can kind of see how this works and get it going and build the community up strong. And we had a few people ask us like, Hey, I, I bought like a whole year of buy me a coffee. Mm-hmm. Am I still eligible? And absolutely. If you, if you paid for like a year of buy me a coffee and then all of a sudden buy me a coffee kind of pulled the rug out from underneath all of us, uh, you are still absolutely a supporter of Pure podcast. We will contact you through, uh, the email that you provided through buy me a coffee. And, uh, we will make sure that you're, uh, you're part of our, you know, the monthly meetups that we do and all of that. So uh, thank you again for all of you who support us. If it wasn't for you guys, we couldn't be doing this. So uh, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you again. Patreon.com slash Pure Podcast. Yeah. And there's also a link below. So we did an episode like this a while back. I don't even remember. Maybe it was in the hundreds of the episodes. I don't remember which episode it was. And I feel like we're kind of nuanced now. Like I think there's different ways of looking at it. Because one of the arguments I remember we made in the beginning was that everybody resells. And so therefore it's okay. Mm. Right. Like, you know, Whether and, you're a retailer reselling from a wholesaler, right. Yeah, it's kind and of it's, like and it's an true. argument. It's true. Right. I mean, you go to Walmart, everybody, you're buying stuff at, Wal- at Walmart at a markup. You go to Costco, you're buying at a, at a markup, even though it's a great deal. Right. You go to the shoe store, you go anywhere. And, and it's interesting because, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, how can you sell it for so much when you only got it for this price? Every single store does it, but I don't know. I want to go in a different direction, right? Because, you know, that's kind of like the argument, like everybody else is doing it. Like, that's why it's okay. And I think it's a valid argument. I just, you know, I want to go in a different direction. I want to take a look at a few things. The idea that reselling provides opportunities that cannot be found in, in many other uh, avenues of business. It also prevents waste, but we'll talk about what that means. Is that Are we really creating sustainability? And we'll talk about that. And this, this is not going to be too deep into all of that. Just like, you know, we're sticking to reselling. And then basically, you know, do we actually connect items to individuals? Do we provide a service that they would not have access to if it were not for reselling? Right. And so the first thing is, you know, the idea of providing opportunity. Mike, I don't know a lot of businesses that have such a low barrier of entry. Yeah. And here's the problem. I, I what breaks my heart. I did a, a thing, a YouTube video on the whole Lulu Row thing. And I've known a lot of people who've been involved in, in you know, pyramid schemes and various uh, multi-level marketing. And what really breaks my heart with those is a lot of the people who get pulled into those things 
they're people who are willing to work hard. They want to to find a way to to provide extra things for their family. They want to be able to go on a vacation. They want to be able to buy a second car. They want to be able to afford to take their family out, whatever it is. All of these things, these are good things. And a lot of these people, they believe the lie of, hey, this is this is an easy thing. You're going to be successful. You're going to get, all you have to do is pay us X amount of money. All you have to do is, and it breaks my heart when you see so many people victimized by those things. Mm-hmm. And one of the beautiful things about reselling is like you said, it's got such a low barrier of entry and it is not only possible, but it's very, very, very doable. Now, it, the thing is, it takes work. Like we we call it the Pure Hustle Podcast because we've never made this claim that it's this is just going to be passive income. You're just going to you know buy this course, do this thing, and all of a sudden you're going to be raking in millions of dollars. But if you've got an extra few hours a week, if you've got some time to learn and to do, you can turn that time into money when you resell. And it's there will be occasional failures. We talk about that occasionally. You buy an item and it doesn't you know, breaks or something happens with shipping. But I would say 95% of the time, you are going to turn some kind of a profit on everything you pick up. Agreed. As long as you do it right, right? right. As long as you do the research and you learn new niches. And, and what I mean by barrier, low barrier of entry, it all depends on what you're trying to do, right? I mean, every everything has some kind of barrier, right? eBay, I find is the easiest one. eBay, you can just find stuff around the house and you can start listing it based on, you know, the comps, comparables on how much an item would sell for. And you can make profit. That doesn't take a lot, right? Or you can go to a garage sale, right? Doesn't take a lot of capital. Or you can go to a thrift store, right? Amazon takes a lot more capital. There's a lot more risk, but there's also ways to do that too. And you don't have to have certain boxes checked like a regular job, right? You could... You know, if, if you're somebody that's trying to, you know, reform your life, you spent some time uh, locked up or, you know, you ended up having to go to a new location as a result of, you know, changes in family and you can find a job right away. Like reselling is available for you. Yep. Right. If, if you're in between jobs and, you know, we experienced this in the last couple of years, a lot of people weren't able to work their normal jobs and they had to fill in the gaps outside of the free money that was being passed around. And they found that they were better off going to do reselling and they learned how to develop businesses. And so reselling provided this avenue for people to get out of despair, out of poverty, right? To me, it's like the ultimate capitalistic system, right? You buy low, you sell high, you provide goods for someone or a service, right? You, you ship something to somebody in a good amount of time that they need something at that time. And you are repaid, right? Based on the value of the item and of the time that you spent doing it. Now, if you do it wise, obviously you got to make sure that you're not, you know, uh, spending a lot of time and not making a lot of money. Right. But the barrier to entry, right? Pretty much anyone who's willing to put in the work could do reselling could do, whether it's something that they'll be able to scale, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. And, and that, and like to go along with that, we're talking such a low barrier of entry. Every, pretty much everybody has a phone and, and there may be some instances where people don't, but I, I'm in a perfect example. I don't have internet where I live. I don't have internet, right? I don't have normal constant power. I am able to resell almost entirely from my phone. Right? Like I'm able to go somewhere, look up comps using my phone. I'm able to take pictures on my phone, list on my phone. I can basically print out, you know, shipping stuff. And even when I couldn't, when I wasn't doing that, when I first started, you could still go to the post office and print the labels at the kiosk. So mm-hmm. the, the, no matter what situation you're in, even if you're, you know, basically out of a car, 
you know, you can resell, you can do this. Oh, we have people remember with bikes. Yeah. Like they go sourcing on their bicycle. Yep. Right. So again, to me, that that reselling is not a bad thing, right? Reselling definitely allows people to do things with the least amount of resistance. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and the other thing, you know, a lot of people talk about, you know, thrift stores, and this is the one that, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, you go to thrift stores and, and you're taking and you're buying items that the poor need, right? They, they, there's no sh- more shoes available for them. There's no jackets. There's no shirts. Like you're, you're exploiting the situation. Now I will talk about, you know, is that true? Like hundred percent, it's not true, but we'll talk about a little bit later on why it's not true. What I wanted to point out, the fact is that resellers and I, there's no direct stats, but it's pretty clear that resellers buy a lot from thrift stores, mm. a lot. Okay, I more I would say than the average person that's just going in there looking for the their jacket or looking for a sweater or whatever. And you know, I if I go to a certain re- like for example, I go once a week to certain thrift stores and I'll drop three to five hundred. You know, if there's a lot of good stuff, I'll maybe I'll drop a thousand, right? And what do these stores do? The majority of them, right, are part of charitable organizations. Yeah, they take the profit they're getting to you know give to the community to do things in the community. Maybe they're using it if they're doing the, the, the store that should not be named model, the Goodwill model. Well, let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. You know, we always give Goodwill a hard time, right? And I think it's valid that we give them a hard time. But even in Southern California, you know, last year alone, this is from uh, their site, they placed 300, no, it's not 300, 3,943 people on new jobs through programs and services offered at three campuses and 24 job service opportunities throughout Los Angeles. So this is just in LA. Okay, uh, Riverside uh, and Riverside and San Bernardino counties. Proceeds generated from 81 retail stores and 46 donation centers throughout the community fund our employment services and program. When we get someone back to work, the whole community benefits. That individual is now making a valuable contribution to society instead of having to rely solely on taxpayer dollars and charity to survive. Yeah. Right. And that's kind of what you want, right? We, I mean, I, I would assume, right, that our government wastes all kinds of money. Right. And, and there's no accountability on a lot of it. But with this, right, there, there's individuals now that maybe couldn't get a, a normal job or because of circumstances that limited what they could do. They're now able right, to get a job and Goodwill, Goodwill is able to prevent that. Yeah. So even even with that model, which I feel like is of of the charity mo- models, maybe the one that that has the most problems it still provides a great opportunity Correct. and service. Yeah, we're not saying, you know, there isn't issues of yeah. marking up prices and taking advantage of yeah. the resellers and all that. But the thing to consider though is like you were saying, if you were to just pull out, like, you know how they have like movies and books of like, imagine the world, you know, 24 <laughs> yes. hours without, you know, yeah. this type of person in the planet or in, in a community, like everything would fall apart. And it, just imagine if, if resellers just completely were, let's say they, they pass a law resellers could no longer buy things from thrift stores. Mm -hmm. Thrift stores would close. Yeah. They would close because like you said, even, even if it's not all of their profit, even if it's 40% of their profits, Mm -hmm. 30% of their profits, companies can't take those kinds of hits. A a industry cannot take that kind of a hit and sustain it long-term. So as much as there, you can make arguments and we could talk about a lot of the reasons why those arguments are wrong. the, The thrift stores, they rely heavily on resellers. So we're providing an opportunity for the thrift stores. Yeah. And you know, there's different ones. I mean, we have some in San Diego that help veterans out. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have like the Salvation Army that provides drug and alcohol, uh, you know, kind of programs to help people recover from addiction. I mean, for the most part, I mean, there's not very many uh, for profit, but even if they were, 
that's okay because those are families, right? That are, this is the, the way they're making their way of living, right? So they're providing for their families by creating a thrift store. And so, again, resellers are an important part of that ecosystem to allow other individuals to thrive, right? And so along with that, though, reselling, you know, going with that does provide life-changing opportunities for a lot of people, right? Whether it be life-changing, you know, I, I've been broke, broke in the sense that I've been broke, broke, like I didn't have a car, I didn't have furniture, I didn't have any of those things way back, like in my early 20s, right? And over time, you know, I started working and and in education, I, I was going up the ladder, I became a department chair and then an administrator and stuff. But even still, like it, it was still like a paycheck to paycheck scenario. But once I started reselling, I was able, you know, at that time when I was married, I was able to go on consistent date nights. I was able to go on family vacations. I was, you know, able to get a second car and all of that came through reselling. I was able to get out of debt twice. <laughs> and so sounding like Dave Ramsey over there. <laughs> well, yeah, but not a million dollars. Imagine being a million dollars in debt and getting out of it. What a feeling. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things that like once you do it once, I feel like you could do it again. If I, you, I, I do you, agree with if that. If you lost every bit of inventory you had, it would be much easier for you to build up your reselling business than it was the first time. Because mm -hmm. you know you have all the so that's the kind of that idea there. Yeah. So so you know, there I know people personally that have paid off that. I mean, we some of our listeners have paid off their cars, they're now working on paying off their homes. Uh there's people that have paid off medical bills that they couldn't take care of. People are working on student loans. I always, I always struggle saying that around Mike, but yeah. It, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I just think from a personal perspective, like, yeah, you, you mentioned we've got a lot of our listeners. We've had people call in. We've had somebody on the Dave Ramsey think program was Correct. able to do the, you know, Mary, the, the yeah. payoff. So for me personally, reselling, it allowed my wife, who at the time was making more money than I was making, to leave a corporate job to be able to spend more time with our family. And my son has a medical condition and, and as a really young kid, he couldn't go to daycare. And so we were putting a lot of pressure on her mom. We're like, you know what? I think you being home with our kids is the best decision for our family. And she's still able to work through helping with the reselling business. And so I just think like all the opportunities it provided, not only were we able to take that massive pay cut, but also pay off a bunch of debt. So without reselling, we would not be in this position without reselling. I, I can't even imagine where my family would be. I can't like it, it. We would, my wife would still have to be at work. And again, there's nothing wrong with, with working, right? I work a full-time job. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that, but I just think that my family dynamics would be different. And so I, it's just incredible to think that I am where I'm at today. Our family has the family structure that it has today because of reselling. Like if you would have told me, Agreed. if you would have told me four or five years ago when I started reselling, when all I wanted to do is make a little bit of extra money so I could buy some fancy camera equipment without having to dip into money. Like, cause my wife would have been like, no, you're not spending 1500 bucks or a thousand bucks on something yeah. right now. Um, that it would have led to where I'm at as, as a family. It's just, it, it's baffling to think. And so that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast is it is a life changing thing. Yeah. Agreed. And again, you know, there's, there's a lot of work. It, it is a lot of work, but again, it, it's the opportunity that pretty much anyone who's willing to put in the work could make it happen. Right. All right. Hey, before we move on, I do want to share about a new resource uh, that we've been engaging lately and it's called yeah. Pixel Cut. Pixel Cut. So Pixel Cut is great. It's available on Android and iPhone. So, you know, both Mike and I are able to use Pixel Cut. Yeah. We talk a lot about different tools for reselling uh, throughout the years. We've had full episodes on tools. And so whenever we find a new tool and Pixel Cut isn't new, but it's like new to us to use mm -hmm. is such it, we want to share that with the community. And Pixel Cut is a, a, an app where you can actually take pictures of items 
and remove the background super fast. Yeah, seamlessly. And it makes a really sleek design. It's crazy. Like when you can go to a thrift store, buy something, take a picture of it in your car. Um, and you know, if you're on the YouTube, we'll probably throw up on the screen here, like some, some examples of it working. It's, it's pretty amazing. You take a picture of something, you remove the background, you've got like a professionally edited picture. It looks like you're in a light box, perfect white background, infinite white background. And you're doing it all from your phone. Like, and it allows seconds. you to be mobile. That's the beauty of it. Yeah. Right. I've, I've done it before when I, even I'm doing, you know, th- something that I'm like, I'm on the road and I ended up at a thrift store and I'm like, man, I don't have a light box. It's okay. Cause with pixel cut and I'm able to remove the background and I'm able to post those nice clean pictures. And by the way, not only is it good for reselling, right? I've, I've used uh, pixel cut to remove backgrounds for different things. As far as like, you could do headshots with it. You could, you know, if you're trying to do a thumbnail for YouTube, you can create different kind of backgrounds, not just remove the background. Uh, and there's a lot of tools. You can add shadows to things. I mean, th- there's a lot of different opportunities. And so, you know, if you're trying to do a podcast or a YouTube channel, or you're just trying to get a resume together, all those avenues are available to you through Pixel Cut. So if you want to try this new resource, uh, you can go to the link below. It's a Pixel Cut on the Apple and Google Play Store. It's available for you. It's a great resource. So check them out again. Pixel Cut. Yeah. Did you know, did you see they have uh, like an eraser? So they have the one where you can get rid of the background, but they actually have one where you can like remove an item. So I was playing with it. And depending on how the picture is set up, like if there's a water bottle in the picture, you can actually like oh, remove that's it right. from the picture. So like, just so you, imagine, you, just just imagine you got a, uh, you took a picture a while ago and you're like, you know what? I don't like that person anymore. I wish they weren't in my wedding. You could just, you know, remove them out of it. And, uh, and now you got a new picture. You can use it whatever way you need to use it. <laughs> So again, Pixel Cut, that's P-I-X-E-L-C-U-T. All right. What about preventing waste? Right. Reselling, preventing waste. Now, I, I I have something controversial to say here. So, and I don't know. I don't know. Hopefully, hit that thumbs up before we say this. So if you haven't yet smashed that like button, make sure to smash that like button. Yeah. And if we're, if we're wrong on anything, you know, let us know in the comments, but do it nicely because we we're sensitive. We've got, we've got tender hearts and souls and uh, no, I mean, you can come at us hard if you want to, but uh, what do you got? What, what's our controversy right. so here? So here's what's interesting. So we always hear about sustainability, mm-hmm. right? Reselling is great for recycling. You know, it saves the planet. It prevents waste from going to the landfill. And there's, tr- there is truth to that. But I, I found this, this was the Harvard Business Review and they had a whole article called The Myth of Sustainable Fashion. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. Let me read some excerpts here. They said, the sad truth, however, is that all this experimentation and supposed innovation in the fashion industry, talking about reselling, over the past 25 years have failed to lessen its planetary impact. A loud wake-up call for those who hope that voluntary efforts can successfully address climate change and other major challenges facing society today. Take the production of shirts and shoes, which has more than doubled in the past quarter century. Three quarters end up burned or buried in landfills. Okay, and, and later on, they talk about the environmental impact that reselling has only prevented about 1% no. of the waste. Now, on a huge global scale, yeah, macro scale, on a macro scale, right? That sounds, it doesn't sound great, right? And I appreciate this article. I'll put, I'll put the link below so you can, you know, read it if you want on your own time. Uh, but, you know, they had, you know, 75% of it, right? And, and they talked about like different companies and how... They actually just burn their stuff, like instead of sending to the landfill, which also isn't good. Uh, But, you know, as resellers on a micro level, it's still something that has a positive impact 
on the environment. Yeah, it's like one of those things like where, you know, if I pick up a piece of trash on the on the ground and throw it away, am I am I making a huge impact on the environment? Like no, but but I'm making a small impact. It's it's like the old like starfish metaphor. I'm sure everyone heard. You know, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, I long time ago. Oh gosh. So you know, there's the the metaphor of a guy's walking on the beach and and he saw an old man throwing starfish out into the ocean. There's thousands of starfish on this beach, and the kid walks up to the guy and goes, "Why are you doing that?" And he goes, "You know, I'm just trying to get these starfish in the ocean." He says, "But you can't save them all. There's there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of them. You're not going to make any difference." And he picked up one he threw it into the ocean he said i made a difference for that one okay it sounds super cheesy right but like it's yeah, that, but hey that's the idea hey, though here is hey. and, and that's true so so i think the idea of the myth here isn't so much that you can't personally make an impact but the idea that that the 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 fashion aspect of sustainability is going to change the entire industry so that is like the primary way i think that some people think that like okay like we're going to be able to prevent any waste or you make a huge difference, but 1% is, it's not nothing. And again, when anybody wants to say like, Hey, you're doing something wrong, you can say, I'm making a 1% difference. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'm hey, making a 1% difference in the, in the global. Um, some is better than none. That's right. Well, it's interesting because, you know, about this whole idea of recycling, right? Because that's what we do, especially if you sell on eBay or Poshmark or Grailed or Depop or any of those platforms, what you're doing is, is you are recycling, right? And and there's a whole discussion about, you know, recycling and, and its effectiveness. But even this article, it said, uh, uh, I'll, I'll just read these two paragraphs. Recycling is oversold. This is due to a host of reasons, including the inability to plan design at scale due to the vari variability of supply, limits to recycling technology, limited infrastructure, and shorter quality fibers resulting from recycled inputs and high costs. As a result of these obstacles, like I said before, less than 1% of all clothing is recycled into new garments. Worse yet, recycling does little to limit environmental damage while exacerbating inequality. <laughs> recycling bins in H&M and Zara stores are a guilt-free placebo that encourages even more consumption. Most of the items end up in landfills in poor countries. At the same time, a recent life cycle analysis on cotton jeans revealed that the climate change impact of buying and exposing a pair of jeans is almost the same as upcycling the jeans into a new pair. Mm. So... In reselling, we're not trying to create into a new pair. In reselling, right, we're not sending it to a landfill. Instead, it's just going person to person, right? And so it's still able to do a good thing, right? And so it's just, I thought this was interesting, mm -hmm. right? Because that's all I've heard. And, and you know, when I was researching, I was looking for, you know, uh, resource to to verify this because, you know, there are some good reports. So, for example, uh, ThreadUp in their 2021 a resale report, they said that 125 million unique items were processed and never ended up in a landfill. So that's still a major impact. Yeah. And 125 million pieces is is a lot. So, you know, in the end, right, it, it ends up, it, they said 1.1 uh, billion pounds of carbon emissions were displaced. Okay. Uh, it also led to, uh, you know, more individuals having access. And we'll talk about that in, in a little bit. And then they also verified through the use of reselling, and we haven't talked about this much on our podcast, but, you know, eBay and Posh and, and ThreadUp, they all have the ability that when you resell, you could also give a portion to charity. Mm. 
right? And so reselling has that capability. And so they were able to give a $550,000 in charity through 2020 through their cleanout program. So they had these like fundraisers where you sell certain things and you connect it to a charity and you're able to give to that charity. So again, uh, reselling isn't always profit-based, but the idea that it is profit-based motivates people, right, to make a change as best as they can. Yeah. And I think about reselling, because I mean, the next point we're talking about the amount of clothing the beer cycle continues to grow. But what I think what makes reselling, the reason the types of things we sell is typically it's quality items. And a lot of things, a lot of things people buy, part of the consumeristic culture. And if you just notice in general, uh, items get the quality value goes down like I significantly. Agree. Like I, I look at things that toys my son gets now. There are some companies that are like, man, this is a high quality toy. But a lot of them, it's like, man, the vintage ones lasted forever. The new ones are like chinzy and they break. And, mm-hmm. and what does more damage long term? Well, when you can't, when you can only use something and it gets through half of a kid uh, and it can't even go through, you know, several kids in a family and then pass on to the grandkids or to some other family before it's broken. Mm-hmm. So one of the reasons why we resell vintage items, certain electronics, sometimes it's the collectible memorabilia aspect of it you know this is a cool concert shirt but sometimes it's because this was quality stuff that people were looking for or they want to get something that's quality that is going to last i think if you buy if you're looking for a certain pair of jeans or you're looking for a certain item on ebay you're getting it used you're getting it maybe half of what you get it for new but you know this is this one pair of jeans is going to last me a decade as opposed to if i just go to walmart and pay 30 bucks for a pair of jeans or 20 bucks or whatever they're going to be worn out in a year. And so you're actually in a lot of ways making a big difference because we are finding those items that are going to allow people to not have to continually buy cheaper stuff. They're getting the quality items at a cheaper price, which makes a big impact. Well, and and the last point I wanted to make on this is that we're preserving history too, Mm. right? I, I think that that's forgotten. Like we think that, you know, how else do people come across certain items? I mean, I, you know, I can talk about all the famous shows that have been out there, but even myself, I'm a history guy and I come across historical stuff while I'm reselling and sometimes I don't sell it, but even if you do sell it, you're giving it to a good home. I've sold stuff to museums plenty of times and those museums have bought these items and now they're preserved in a museum and they're always going to be there for people to, you know, remember to, for people to, to recognize the past. And so again, reselling the profit motive, right? The idea that individuals are, are out there looking and, and they're going into barns and they're going into sheds and they're going into, you know, places that most people wouldn't go to trying to find items for profit. Well, as a result of that, there's also the preservation of a lot of things that would have been lost, would have been destroyed and, and forever been gone from the, from this planet where now they're being preserved. And so reselling in, in a way is kind of like you're an artifact finder, yeah right? It's kind of treasure hunter, tre- treasure, but this is artifacts. But like, but like, you know, uh, Historical treasures, not just like funny historical treasures. Historical treasures. All right. Hey, uh, before we move on to our favorite segment of these update, not update, this theme episode, uh, I want to talk about our favorite bubble wrap, AmericanBubbleBoy.com. That's right. I feel like when we, uh, I don't know, we'd have to talk to American Bubble Boy if they'd approve of this, but I feel like when we're talking about American Bubble Boy, we should like have like background, like patriotic music playing, like, because they have got the flag. And oh, yeah. So it could be like, you know, the national anthem playing in the background and it's like American Bubble Boy. But American Bubble Boy is a, a great company. We love them. It's high quality bubble wrap that you get shipped to your door. It saves you time. Uh, you're not having to worry about driving to a store. Are they going to be out? Are they going to have enough? 
What's the price going to be? Do I have to, I've got to drive. Think about the, uh, since we're talking about the environment, yeah, think, yeah. you know, you got to drive to the store. You got to do all, no, you get to stay in your house. Saves you some gas money, That's man. That's right. Gas money right now. Ooh. Yeah. Just the price of that alone. The fact that you're not having to pay gas money to have your bubble wrap sent to you. So American bubble boy, if you use our promo code or use our link, uh, you'll get a discount if it's your first time using it, but try it out. Um, you know, we, we can tell you how great it is, but you got to try it. You got to try it. You got to see it. And, uh, and, and let us know below what you think, you know, and it's interesting, you know, gas am I, if I, where I, where I live, I have some of the cheapest gas in San Diego. It went up probably a dollar in like 48 hours. Yeah, I know it's disgusting. Isn't that crazy? So, you know, just get it shipped to you. Okay. And it, and the prices have not gone up yet. So again, purestofpodcast.com, first time promo code, purestofpodcast. Uh, and hey, by the way, I know some people have talked to us about the promo code. If you're having issues, please let us know. So I can kind of like, you know, I want to fix this. I want to make it right. So let us know. All right. Uh, if you have not been following us on social media, we are Pierce of Podcast on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. We are Pierce of Cast on Twitter. Uh, you can always give us a call, 619-738-1170. That's 619-738-1170. I would love to make an episode where it's just like listener phone calls. And we just answer. We just answer. We just like back and forth. Yeah. Or it hustles a week or yeah. whatever, whatever it is, you know. Yeah. Give us so, a call. So make it have call. We're lonely. Call us. Yeah. We, <laughs> we want to hear your voices. Sometimes... Sometimes I forget, you know, like when, we, when we're recording this, like it's me and you talking to microphones and staring at a camera. Correct. And there, there are thousands of you out there. There, there, there are tens and tens of you out there. And, uh, <laughs> and we would love to hear your voice, to call in and, and, and interact back with us. So we don't feel like we're just staring at a camera. There you go. And we do appreciate all of you that have left us a hustle of the week via email at purezapodcast at gmail.com. We will be sharing those in our next theme episode. Uh, and there's some, you know, space available. So if you want to email us at purezapodcast at gmail.com, please do so. Uh, also appreciate all of you that listen to the podcast. Uh, and as always, we do have a YouTube channel. So we're trying to get to 10K here pretty soon which is going to be a little bit, but you know, the sooner the better, uh, jump on over. If you're just listening and hit that subscribe button, hit that bell notification. So, you know, when new videos drop, especially like our Monday mini sods and smash that like button. And last of all, uh, iTunes reviews, you know, I I'm still, I'm still frustrated at this 4.9 out of five. That's fixable. I know it is mathematically. It's not though, but it, but it is in a weird way. I mean, even if you had a million five stars and one one star, it would still be four point nine 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 nine. Right? Like true, 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 true. Anyways, I'm I'm happy that so many of you guys are enjoying the show, and if you are enjoying it and you do want to help, I mean, Orlando over here is sweating it. So if you want to help him, it's like having a negative feedback. You know, if you want to help us get those metrics up, go leave us a positive. Uh, give us those five stars and leave a comment. We love reading those comments. It's uh. Other than Patreon and and literally the the financial aspect of us being able to produce the show because it costs money to upload all the stuff, um, it uh the 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 comments the reviews on iTunes like that that is such a inspiration to us. It's like all right, we're making a difference in somebody's life. Let's do another episode. Yeah, I just want to you know I just want to make sure that. You know, we're still the, the top rated podcast and the most listened to podcast. And, you know, I we know that there are many of you uh, out there that have different choices. And there are some good reselling podcasts that have emerged, uh, but we'd like to keep at number one. So appreciate all your support. All right. Are you ready? Come on, hustlers. It's the freaking hustle of the week. We got yeah. some good ones here. Too. All right. We always do.
Always do. All right. Our first one uh, comes from Mike. The IG handle is at Aktazera, A-K-T-A-Z-E-R-A. <laughs> I don't know uh, if it was supposed to be pronounced that way, but. Well, you know, uh, if you want to call in and correct the pronunciation of your name, go for it, please. Uh, so came across a puff jacket. Oh, I mean, that's why. I know why. It's the wrong name. I misspelled. Uh, it is Al Tazera, A L T A Z E R A. All right. See, I knew something was wrong. It was me. That was you. All right. Not- Thank you, Mike. Sorry about that. All right. So, came across a puff jacket at a thrift store. It was a Canada Goose Woman's Hybrid Light Tech Down Jacket. Uh, and he found it at a thrift store in Phoenix for $3, listed it on eBay, and was able to sell it with, uh, for full price within a week. For two hundred and ninety six dollars and ninety nine cents, so from three dollars to nearly three hundred dollars, that's some ROI right there. That is now, if you're new to reselling, we do these hustles of the week because these are like awesome, unique things that happen. Like these happen. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say regularly, but like these kinds of finds happen. But this isn't every day. So uh, a three to three hundred, that is an amazing sale. You can't expect that all the time. And when you get those sales and you will get them, man, it's worth celebrating because that's a good feeling. And jackets, down jackets, there's definitely money to be made there. I love how Mike said thrift store. Didn't give the name, didn't anything. Because where else are you going to find a three dollar Canada goose? <laughs> but I mean, I've, I, can't, I can't even think of like, you know, some off brand, like terrible jacket that sells for three dollars at any of our thrift stores. So, so nice, nice finder, Mike. I need to, I need to drive to Phoenix, I guess. There you go. Oh, and now he's like, great. I shouldn't have shared. Dang it. <laughs> All right. So this one, this is, this is kind of like hustle of decade, hustle of the year, kind of epic Ooh. proportions. So this is from Raleigh, Raleigh IG handle, the, the dot endless dot thrift, who has been a repeat hustle of the week. Uh, and this one, this one made the rounds on social media. So you may have seen this come across. So, uh, Raleigh and his brother, HUD, also known as Lumberjack underscore thrifts on Instagram, went to a flea market that they consistently go to each month and went to a booth that they're familiar with. Their dad pointed them to a section of the booth with vintage camera gear. Notice a small bin. And in that bin, there was a voice recorder he recognized from a, as a bolo from a Facebook group. But didn't know what it was, so he looked it up and started freaking out. And his brother found the second one, purchased the voice recorders for $5 each went home, tested the voice recorders. He says there were no ghosts, LOL, but I'll explain to you why. And listed them on eBay with a video on the listing. They picked up, what they picked up was a Panasonic RR-DD60 digital IC recorder, uh, EVP, uh, which is, I guess, like ghost hunters used to pick up ghost voices or something. All right. All right. And it's from Japan. His brother listed... His brother listed it at night and it sold for $2,999.99. I gotta tell you. I mean, I'm just looking at this. And here, uh, how would day. you know? Like, it, that's the thing, right? This Again, I always say this, like, you, you gotta follow, like, you gotta be on social media. You gotta have a, you gotta, because there's a lot that you miss out if you're not, right? And so this was from a Bolo Facebook group. And then, uh, Raleigh listed his and it sold for full price at $3,395. And they actually used a new listing uh, format where you can put a video for like the second picture. And one of the buyers informed them that the video made the difference in their desire to purchase the recorder because they saw it working. So 
$10 in total and they made over $6,000 profit. Now, if they really wanted to make some money, they should have like hit record and then been like, in the background and be oh like ghosts goodness. there's ghosts on this one it works and then uh i wonder if people on the podcast were like where is this going <laughs> you know what i mean like found this recorder and listened to this recording that's on the tape yeah that, that would be maybe maybe <laughs> who knows we're gonna have an, one of these episodes one of these days where we talk about um like the things people sell on eBay. Cause I, I see them all the time of like haunted dolls yeah. and haunted paintings and stuff. So yeah, I'm sure a haunted voice recorder would, uh, yeah, that, could, that could do it. But I, you know, I gotta tell you, I've only had a handful of thousand dollar sales and, uh, you know, when you win, I mean, they had talked about, actually we had mentioned this in this episode, right? That, uh, some of the, you know, the opportunities that are provided by reselling allows people to make life changing money. And actually Raleigh had talked about that. They're throwing that money into, he's thrown into his wife's student debt. Wow. Right. So again, reselling, right. That recorder would have just been sitting at that flea market. No one picked it up. Now it's going to go to a good home and it's going to help out well, that family if they're trying to find their loved ones. And <laughs> it's going to help out Raleigh and his brother, uh, and their family. So what a hustle of the week. Nice. That's just, man, I, I can only imagine the intensity when you're testing it going, please, please work. Please work. Because even if it didn't work, you probably still could have sold it for several hundred. But like to see something that's like potentially thousands. Yeah. You, you've got to be stressing it. I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's like, uh, and like, that's probably honestly, he's, I mean, I'm sure he's happy because it was him and his brother. Uh, but that's one of those times you're probably like, I should have gone alone. You know, <laughs> like <laughs> let's, let's not cause some family drama here. <laughs> so, all right. So, Hey, thanks for sharing with us, Raleigh at the dot endless dot thrift on IG. All right. Our next one comes from Matt IG handle at resale champ. Uh, so went to a consignment sale six months ago and picked up a Playmobil set uh, for $25. So it was a vintage Playmobil large 10 wheeler dump truck from 1986. It was new in box, paid $25 for it and sold it for $200. Yeah. I mean, you can get some really cool. I, I'm, I, you had a huge Playmobil. I ne never even heard of it until I saw your big haul. And I still was like, oh, that seems like a cool thing. I mean, to me, I originally thought like that is that like mega blocks, like, you know, like the construction, yeah. like that's what I thought it was. Yeah. And then um, we got a couple of things for my son and it's a really cool product. Like it, their toys are pretty amazing. And I can, mm. I can imagine that if you're getting ones like this one's from 1986, if anything Playmobil, it's still in the box. Cause even the pieces, sometimes like pieces from set sell for a lot of money, especially the older stuff. So that's definitely a hustle of the week and a bolo. Yeah, seriously. And I'm still selling Playmobil. Like it's, it's, it's wild. How, how is uh, somebody called in and actually told us how to pronounce it? Playmobil. Playmobil. Yeah. Playmobil. Yeah, it's a. Uh, it <laughs> I I still I we should maybe we should every time we say it, we should say uh Playmobil. Playmobil. Um, I think we should just set that as a sound so we can just play it. <laughs> All right. Uh what what's your hustle of the week? Okay, so this one is kind of like an ongoing thing. And I, I think I've mentioned it even as a hustle the week before, like because it's like, okay, I got a couple sales again. But I had picked up at a garage sale and it was um, another reseller and I bought him out and it was haggling, man. I was probably there for like 20 minutes going back and forth and I bought out a whole bunch of um, like DJ equipment and it was most of it was the same stuff. So it was basically like three different items that I bought. Um, 
like only two of one item, like maybe five of another and like 20 of another one. Mm. And I paid up like I paid, you know, 30 to 40 percent of what they were selling for on eBay. But because I could buy so many of them at one time, it was yeah. worth it. You Sometimes know? you got to do that. And he said, he's like, honestly, I've been selling these, but they're slow sales. I sell like one every month or maybe every couple of months. And I'm like, OK, I'm picking up a lot. It might be a while before I sell them. And that's been about what they've been selling for me every few months. Well, I had let me see if I could figure out exactly how much it was here. Um, I'd sold m- many of them and I had five left. Okay. So I had five of these left and woke up in the morning and somebody paid full price for all five of them. Beautiful. But then the bummer was when we went to go pack them up, we realized there was a sixth one that somehow, and what I think happened was it was a return and the quantity didn't go back up when it returned. So if I would have had all six, I bet oh, this person man. would have bought all six at once. But it, did it you was, reach out to them and say, "Hey, I got another one." It, it, my wife had already packed them, and then we found the other one. I was like, "It's not worth it for an extra like thirty five dollars to deal okay, with the okay. hassle." And um, so, and that one will sell too. I'm not too worried about it. But it was just crazy to think that like, holy smokes! Like the rest of them are gone. They've been selling over the the course of it's been over a year now. I think you know one every month or two. Um, sometimes a couple in a month, but then just all at once, just boom. And then it was like, that was really the validation that I needed of like, all right, that was a good sell. You know, the first like seven of them that sold, it was like, all right, I'm, I've broken even finally. And then for this just big chunk to come in was like, and, and it ended up selling for, um, it ended up being over $200 for the items plus shipping. And the nice thing was because they're already box and they all slid into one box the shipping i was able to make quite a bit of money on because he paid for the shipping for all of them he didn't ask for a combined shipping discount or anything so uh, it it ended up working out in our favor and uh it was nice just to have them out the door and done no that's hey i, I love like i mentioned remember my last hustle week was all the hockey trees i was able mm-hmm. to sell you know so all right so you know it, it's funny because i have the slam dunk ones but the one, this one I want to share because it goes with our mini sode. So our mini sode coming up on Monday is about the importance of just knowing a niche. Like, what are the advantages of that? And one of them is you're able to, you know, bundle and you're able to make deals and quick and you're able to recognize value. Right. And so, you know, I have those days where I set up all my local deals in the same day and like I go place to place and I pick up. And there was one deal that I was kind of like, I don't know, you know, like I saw the pictures and again, it was a bunch of Hawaiian shirts. And I was just like, do I really, you know, I look at these shirts and, and there was like one rain spooner and there was like all the other shirts were just not top tier, like rain spooner, Hawaiian shirts, which is a bolo. And so I go and I told the guy, Hey, you know, would you, he he wanted like 30 for all seven shirts and I was seven or eight shirts, something, something like that. So and I said, would you be willing to do 20 for all of them? Which automatically, even if they're cheapy Hawaiian shirts, right? The ones that sell for only 20 bucks. You know, if I'm paying 20 and I sell seven of them at 20 bucks a pop, like that that's a nice profit, right? That's your seven Xing your profit, right? Or six Xing net profit for those of you that, you know, net profit. And then, oh, wait. And then if I throw in gas and I throw in anything, so maybe I'm five Xing. Okay. So it's still, still good money. So I go and I pick them up and I'm like, I, I'm not a fan of picking up cheap stuff mm. like the the more i do this the, the more i'm growing my store like i'm really trying to focus on just picking up quality stuff but when you get a bulk deal sometimes you just you get that cheap stuff and you might as well list it because it's still going to be profitable 
So I picked it up. I paid $20. I, I believe it was eight shirts. And so, you know, you do the math. What is that? Like $2 and something per shirt, right? That's pretty cheap. So right away, uh, the rain, one of the shirts was a rain spooner shirt and it sold for $40. Right? Remember I paid 20. So automatically I'm already in the profit. Then after that, I had a Howie Hawaiian shirt, which isn't like a great brand, not a bolo. So for 20, 20 bucks. Hey, so now I'm at 60. Then I had another go barefoot one and that one sold for $37. Right. So I already, so I'm, I'm close to a hundred dollars now. Right. And I still have as three shirts. I still have five more left. Right. And if those all sell for 20 bucks a piece, right, I'll be close to $200. Right. And, and so to me, if you can replicate that, like if you can replicate buying these bulk deals or collections, like, you know, I've talked about my high wheels exhaustively on here and I'm still selling them. I just don't talk about it as much, but if you're able to do the hot wheel podcast, <laughs> oh my goodness. I'm still, I'm still shocked that, you know, that I'm still selling, but if you're able, right. If you're able to consistently buy like that, at super cheap, whether it's the bins, whether it's Gaylords, whether it's just local deals like Mike and I do, you will be successful. I truly believe that, you know, and it has to be quality items. But again, that's my hustle of the week because it turned from something that I was kind of like, ah, I don't know if I want to do this to, to buying it and actually turned out way better than I expected. So that's my hustle of the week. Yeah, man. You made me, I couldn't help it. I had to like just quickly scan through uh, offer up. Cause I'm like, man, those deals are so good. They are. Listen, you could do this 24 hours a day. You really could. Well, if you had endless capital, you could do, I mean, you could do it. Just think about how much time people spend scrolling through TikTok and Instagram. And I'll be honest, occasionally you're like, man, that, that cooking hack is going to save me time or that, you know, whatever it is. But most of the time it's just wasted time. And if you just scroll through Facebook marketplace and offer up and you just know it, you know, you, it, it, it's got an algorithm. It'll kind of put you into certain things or you've got certain searches. Mm -hmm. You're turning that time into potential profit. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. All right, now there's another thing that saves you time. Do you know what we're talking about here? We're talking about Skull Shaver, baby. Skull Shaver is the, I would say of everything that I own, my Skull Shaver is probably one of my favorite things that really? I own. Because I use it every day. Every day. Like there's things that I like. Like I have cool board games. I've got cool, you know, a computer. I've got a lot of things that, that gets used occasionally. My skull shaver gets used every single day without fail, and it is extremely effective. It, it, it shaves fast. It shaves efficiently. It's easy to clean. It's and pretty it's much self-cleaning. It's durable, and the battery lasts forever. That's the thing. Is like I, I, I sometimes forget to charge it, but I, I don't need to. Like I'll go like two or three weeks without ever putting it on the charger, and then I'm like, oh, I'm getting down to like thirty percent. I better charge this thing. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Whereas other things, it's like if you use most things a couple of times, you're you're needing to charge it. So the Skull Shaver, we love it. Uh, if you haven't tried it yet and you need one, you need to uh, to 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 shave whatever it is you're hanging on to on your head, or you are already shaving every single day anyways. You're wasting time if you're using a razor. You're wasting time if you're using a cheap $30 Walmart electric shaver. I promise you because they're, the razor is going to be effective, but it's going to take more time and it's more dangerous. And the cheapy ones, you're going to keep throwing them away. They're going to keep breaking and you're going to be unhappy with the results. Skull Shaver is one of those quality products that I think 
um, you know, people will probably want to buy a new head for them, but I can imagine people buying used because it's such a quality unit, like the unit itself, the motor, the engine, it can get wet. It's, it's a great product. You got to check it out. Yeah. So go to, uh, down below in the link and use our promo code hustle, hustle with the capital H or I don't know if it matters, but yeah, try both ways, buy two of them, one with a capital H and one with a lowercase H and see what happens. And there you go. All right. Hey, so. Here's the last one. And this is one of my favorite ones as to why reselling is ethical. And I, I even argue it's a moral good. <laughs> and it's the idea that it connects individuals to items. So let's start with, with the argument that you hear the most is that by buying stuff for cheap like at a thrift store, right? You are taking from poor people. You're exploiting poor people, which here's the truth. That's impossible to do at this point in time. Right. We just talked. I just read about how much, how much clothing and shoes are out there. There isn't even enough to be bought and sold. That stuff is ending up in landfills. Right. And so at the thrift store, yeah, maybe you're getting that pair of Jordans, right? That somebody, you know, maybe without money wants. Right. But, but the deal is that there's always, always another pair of Jordans. There's always another pair of, I don't know, Reebok Iverson or just shoes or jackets. Right. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, I just sold a uh, kind of a vintage Betty Boop or Betty Bop. Is it Betty Bop or Betty Boop? Betty Boop. Betty Boop uh, jacket. Right. So it's a satin jacket, uh, kind of like, uh, I don't know what, what is it called? Not a, yeah, embroidered. It's an embroidered satin jacket. It's a really cool item. Sold it for about a hundred bucks. And yeah, you get an item like that at a thrift store and you pay 10 bucks for it or something. That's a pretty unique jacket. That's not necessarily like if it when the idea, like people I think have this, it's easy to create a caricature of resellers are going in and they're buying all the jackets and somebody who needs a jacket because they're living in their car or they don't, they're, they're in their house and they can't afford heat and they don't have a jacket. They can't get a jacket because we're buying them all. And it's like, that's not the case. I bought the really flimsy satin Betty Boop jacket, yeah, right? It wasn't like, going to keep anybody warm. Right. That So there, when I go through a jacket rack and, or a, a, a shirt rack, for every one item I pick up, there's probably 50 to 100 I'm passing because there's mm -hmm. no resale value in it. And so we're not taking, we're not taking items that people need. We're not taking necessities. Now, could it be that because I'm spending hours in a thrift store, I'm finding gems of like, man, this is a really cool one. Or maybe this has a little bit higher quality you know, honestly, this other jacket probably is warmer and has a higher quality, but it doesn't have a name brand to it. Right. And so I, I don't think it's a valid argument when, when that's made, when people say things like that at all. Um, and I'm still paying, like we talked about in our first point, the thrift store, the money, which then they're using to help the community. So it really is a win, win, win. I, I think it's a, it's a really bad straw man argument when people have that idea of like, well, if resellers buy all the shoes, there won't be any shoes for the homeless who want to go into a Salvation Army and buy shoes. Mm -hmm. It's just not the case. And, and and the other thing is, you know, it even provides bargains for people that have limited funds, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, everybody goes with that argument, but then they go with the argument about, you know, what about the college student or what about, you know, the young family and so on. Reselling provides goods at a discount. I mean, and, and if we do go into recession mode, in a few months, which is, is possible. Hopefully that's not one of the words that gets the shadow banned. But anyways, um, you know, I was reading up and I shared this on Instagram, like about how resellers did during the 2008, 2009 recession. And they did very well. And the reason they did very well is because everybody was looking for a bargain. 
right? So us as resellers, right? And I'm not talking about, you know, reselling PlayStation 5s or Xbox. In this case, I'm talking about secondary goods. Like we provide a bargain, right? When people are with limited funds are looking for stuff, instead of them paying, you know, they need a pair of cowboy boots to keep working out in the ranch. Instead of paying the $200 for a pair of Tony Llamas, they're paying 70 to 80 for a pair of Tony Llamas, right? And so I make profit. They make, you know, a good deal, a deal and we're good. Yeah. And that's the thing too, is the idea that you, if you, if you're a thrifter, you go to thrift stores, you know, unless you're very, you don't care about brands at all. Like if I'm looking, for instance, I've maybe picked up one or two North Face jackets that fit me of the hundreds and hundreds of hours I've been in thrift stores. Now I've found a lot of North Face jackets and I've sold a lot of North Face jackets. Some are too small. Some are for women. Some are So the idea of like, okay, that college kid, if he goes into a thrift store, the chances of him finding the brand he's looking for or she's looking for in their size is, is so small. You know, whereas they can go on eBay and yeah, maybe they didn't get it $10 at the thrift store, but they got it for $50 or $40 on eBay instead of $120 at the store. So I actually saved them time because I found that at a thrift store, maybe hundreds of miles away from them that they wouldn't have been at. And even if they go to their local thrift stores and spend hours and hours and hours, the chances of them finding the thing they're looking for. So I'm saving them time. I'm actually turning my time. I'm, I'm, changing it for their money. That's all I'm doing. And they're still getting the deal. Like they'd probably gladly say you could get this for 10 bucks, but it's going to, you're going to have to work for me for like six hours. They'd be like, no, it's not worth it. Right. Mm-hmm. But I did the work for six hours finding stuff and I connected it to them. So it, it is a fair trade. Correct. Correct. And, and so the other one, you know, we're talking about just people with limited funds. Uh, let's say people have funds, but they're in need of certain items. And we saw this happen uh, you know, in the situation that happened two, two, uh, two years ago, which it's been two years. Can you believe that? Two. It was this time two years ago that we had to cancel our meetup. Mm. That weird. Seems yeah. like so long ago. That was that was back when we were uh, flattening the curve. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, we're not that kind of podcast. But here's the deal. A lot of people needed masks. They needed sanitizers. They needed. Now we're gonna get shadow banned. They needed all these things. And who was able to provide them? Those resellers, right? And, and yeah, did did people have to pay a higher cost of things? Sure, they did. But they provided a service which, as a result of you know these stores ran out of things, you know people didn't want to drive around. People, I mean, I myself, I end up getting myself from other resellers, right? Because I just didn't know. I didn't want to spend you know the time of gas. It was during a time where I didn't want to take the risk out there and put myself in danger uh, looking for an item. And instead, it was a lot easier for me to go to Amazon or eBay and get what I needed instead of me trying to go do the hunt, right? And so we've talked about this over and over and over again. The idea that you know the idea of price price gouging is is, is not a reality, right? Because it's an idea of supply and demand. Right. And so what happens is whenever there's a low supply of goods, resellers come in and they fill that gap and they provide the goods for people that need it. Right. And yes, it might be at a higher cost, but what that causes is causes the industry to create more of a certain product to fulfill that need. And eventually the prices all do come down. Yeah. It it levels out. And, and again, like we've, we've, probably talked at nauseum in previous episodes about this because this is a very, I hate using the word nuance, but there's a lot of elements to this argument. So it's really easy if you just hear what Orlando said or what I said and to think like, 
oh, but you know, there were a lot of people who went to a store and literally bought all the hand sanitizer and then price gouged it. Right. And, and I can understand where that, that idea comes from. And people use the argument of like, okay, there was a, uh, a fire in a community or they lost power. And so people were bringing in water and selling it for $5 a gallon and that's price gouging. But the reality is because that need is there, some people are going to come in with for just for humanitarian reasons. But if you can get people who live hundreds of miles away to say, I'm going to fill up my truck with water and I'm going to mm-hmm. bring it there because I can make some money, that water wouldn't get there otherwise. And if enough water is getting there from people doing it from the kindness of their heart, then those people trying to sell it can't sell it. So the only way they can sell it is if nobody else is doing that. Nobody's So they're still providing that need. So there's been many examples throughout history where they try to prevent in the name. And it, it, it's easy. It sounds good, right? Like we want to prevent price gouging. We don't want people to be able to charge this amount for food. It's a necessity. Well, the moment you do that, the moment a community puts in a law or a, a, some kind of thing in a place saying you can't charge this price for this item, people are unwilling to take the risks that's necessary to get those items to those people. There's been, you know, examples of, of kingdoms under siege or a, a castle under siege and you can't price gouge. Well, the people who'd be willing to sneak food in to get the money now won't do it because I can't sell it for any money. Or I'm going to get in trouble. So then that castle starves. Whereas if you could charge whatever you wanted, people would do whatever it took to get the food in there. Correct. And the greatest motivator, right, is being able to make, you know, money. Right. And so, you know, again, the the individuals that, again, were willing to take the risk during that time, right, a couple of years ago, right, they, they took on that risk. And so, therefore, their cost should have been a little bit more, right, because they put themselves out there in, in dangerous way. And on top of that, they had to do the transportation. They had to do the shipping. But along with all of that, along with all of that, again, they provided something that was unavailable. Right. And, and again, I think there are, there are chances that's, I think there's a lot of times that, you know, through reselling, the price gets manipulated by resellers taking on too much. Yeah. There's temporary market, you know, fluctuations that could be caused by resellers, but resellers typically act to, to resolve that issue. Nine times out of 10 resellers help the market stabilize as opposed to the other way around. It could take a little bit of time to get there. And, and, and please don't hear us and say that like we're defending all the people. Cause there are people who did really shady stuff. <laughs> yeah. So please don't, don't hear what we're saying here and say like, we are, we're, we're totally defending everybody who sold necessary things, who would go into stores, buy everything. I mean, I, I can just imagine like right now there's a formula issue, right? There's a bunch of formula. I don't on know yeah. So uh, a, a lot of formula specifically for like, I think it's for like sensitive stomachs. Um, a couple of children have died. Oh yeah, I heard about this. Yeah. And so all these formulas have been, have been recalled off and recalled. And because of that same thing, people are going and they're almost panic buying formula. You know, mm-hmm. I have a, a kid who's on formula right now. I mean, we're like, we need formula. And so the prices go up and, and it, there are people who can cause things. If you take something where you can't get it any other way and you're, you're basically, there are people who can temporarily price gouge. And if it's something that's, literally like life or death for people, medicine, things like that. There are people who do shady things. So please don't say that, think that we're, we're defending everybody. Um, but I think that resellers in general got a really bad rap for things that necessarily weren't that shady or that wrong. They just don't understand the full market impacts of the decisions resellers were making. It's just, they filled in the gaps. I can't tell you how many times, I mean, it, 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 it's even myself. I mean, how many times does Amazon themselves uh, markup stuff and I'm willing to pay it because I get the fast shipping. 
I get the item I need. I save time that I can use now with my family. Like there, there's a reason that the reselling market thrives, whether it be for, you know, not just, you know, all the luxury goods, but also for necessities, because for some people, they're willing to pay more because at the end of the day, their time with their family is more valuable than their time in the store. Mm. Okay. All right. Now the last one, and this is one of my favorite reasons why I, I, I love reselling and, and why I, the, the arguments about it being unethical uh, fall apart for me is that we connect cherished items with people. Over and over again, people yeah. are willing to pay. I can't tell you how many items, you know, a simple example, uh, my, my good friend, he listens to the podcast, you know, he, he found my cell phone, uh, from my first cell phone that I ever owned and it was in the garage. I don't know why I gave it to him. He was my roommate back in the day in college. Orlando is very sentimental. If you guys have, I, I am, I am. And I even offered to pay him for it. Right. Even though it was worthless, I looked at the comps and it wasn't worth much. And I was like, hey, and he was a good friend. And he didn't Let's even charge. He just shipping. wanted the contacts off of it. Huh? I mean, I haven't charged it yet. Maybe I'll, I'll do that. <laughs> eventually. But, you know, I can't tell you how many stories I've gotten about. Hey, you know, this sweater, I haven't found it anywhere. My father wore this all the time. He passed away last year. This has a lot of special sentimental value to me, even though it's not the same one. They still want it for the memories. Mm-hmm. Right. Or it could be you know, a board game, or it could be a certain toy. It could be whatever item it is and, and reselling, right? The motivation for profit from reselling allows there to be the moral good of connecting people with sentimental items that they've been searching for for a long time. I mean, I can't tell you how many, I mean, all of us, all of you that listen, that have been reselling for a long time, how many times you get that message or maybe share it below in the comments about a time where somebody said, I've been looking for this for so long and finally somebody was able to find it and put it on eBay. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, reselling is able to do those things. And I love those stories. They, they, they mean, I mean, there was one, remember somebody was able to, uh, they, they, cause of the VCR and whatever, they were able to watch videos that they hadn't been able to watch in such a long time of their family. I mean, there's, there's so many good stories. Yeah. Or I think even personally, like I bought, we've bought and spode ornaments. I've told the story of all my wife's spode ornaments, not all of them, but many of them breaking. And it's like a family tradition. Her mom every year got her one. And so the fact that it's like, all right, we need the, you know, 1999 one and that one's broken. And well, look, somebody has it up on eBay. Even if it's 40 bucks, it's like this will help complete our collection. And it's important to her. You know, she's not a sentimental person with lots of things, but this, the Spode ornament collection was. And so how many times, even when you don't get the thank you, even when you don't get the, I've been looking for this, are you helping somebody, you know, with something that's, meaningful to them something that matters Mm -hmm. and you might not even know many of those but you've got to figure a lot of the things you're selling you're you're making somebody's day agreed agreed and so again reselling right ethical good maybe the argument could be made moral so it's it's ethical it's sustainable (laughs) it's environmentally friendly it's uh it's moral it provides opportunities for everyone yeah it's it's economical beneficial it's it's a I think reselling, I think we've just decided is like, it's the greatest thing. There we go. And hopefully all of you are able to, you know, engage some of these conversations with some of the points that we made on this podcast. Whenever you get that person that goes across your way and says, yeah, you guys resellers, you're no good. Yeah. Send them to episode 283. Say, listen to 283. There you go. PHP. And leave the comments below. And with that being said, make sure to be real. Be relevant. And be reselling. Please. Peace. Peace.